What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patchy and I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, I'm back. We did a catch-up pod. No, 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 that, no don't, don't confirm. <laughs> we might have done a catch-up pod to cover for a vacation. But wait, I, I did want to say, I went to Red Rocks as a venue. Have you been there? Nope. I've never been to Colorado. It's incredible, man. Looked awesome. I caught Pretty Lights, who is it was their only show of the year. There's rumors that they might not be touring anymore, so they were doing a two night show. He did the vows, like the do you take this person to be your lawfully wedding? Oh shit. Yeah, he married somebody <laughs> up on stage. And then he played a great set. I mean, I'm kind of phasing out of the, the EDM a little bit. Can't hang like I used to, put it that way. So is mainstream culture in general. Very true. But it was really cool because basically everybody that was there was either a huge Pretty Lights fan or just like a huge fan of like Denver music. So it was a really cool vibe. And you, ba- I sat in the back and you could basically look over Red Rocks and see like Denver and a bunch of other cities in the background. It's just incredible. So if you can catch a show there, definitely go. I don't think that's a, a hot take at all. We got a lot to get to today. Nicki Minaj dropped an album. Ariana Grande dropped an album. Mitski, the best. And we're also going to be talking about two movies, Crazy Rich Asian and Black Klansman. But before we do, please subscribe to our YouTube channel somewhere down below there. Go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Get all of our, our links there. You can go find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Probably going to be worldwide famous soon. So get it before we blow up. Anyways. And our best of 2018 Spotify playlist. Do not sleep on that. Updated regularly. Yeah. If, you, if you're if you listening to this, we'll have music from everybody we talk about today on that playlist by the time you're listening. So go check it out. Stay up to date. Let's start with the best. I saw your tweet. So I actually kind of want to give you the floor and let you, you stand for these guys a little bit well yeah the bets are interesting because they're this totally obscure brand new new zealand rock band right indie rock band and this is their debut album future me hates me and i was totally unaware of this band like i am of most brand new indie acts until uh rolling stone ran a, a piece about happy unhappy their lead single from this album as the song of the summer and I was like, oh, let me give this, check this out. I don't listen to enough indie music. I gotta be up on it. And I was like, oh, 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 that's, that's something. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not bad. Let me, let me, let me, let me keep going with this. And I listened to their Warm Blood EP from early 2016. I was like, fuck, I like all six of these songs. <laughs> yeah. I never say that about indie music. <laughs> you know, this album is, is, you know, just more of the same. I think it, indie music I actually really enjoy. It's upbeat and, energetic the the vocals match the the music and it's it's charismatic it's not like a woe is me soft indie act that i refuse to listen to you know so i thought it was surprisingly really good front to back i mean what do you think i'm glad to hear that you like a rock band it's, it's really refreshing to hear that on the podcast. <laughs> contemporary rock contemporary band. rock band right you know they're so catchy I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because every song, they somehow suck you in. By the time they get to the chorus, they're like flipping words in a way that you're just kind of like, yeah, like whatever is a great example. When they finally get to that, that chorus, you're just like, oh, like this is such a fucking jam. And I mean, th- these, these kids from Auckland, uh, they were these like trained jazz musicians. They went through um, some really extensive training. And you can tell because while the lyrics are are i mean i wouldn't say that the lyrics are gonna blow anyone's mind but they're also you know pretty well written and pretty smart they just play their instruments so perfectly like the way that on like was it like it sounds great river run level one where they like go in where the drums start kind of taking over right around the chorus and then they have like the quick guitar refrain i'm like oh man just it's it's a really exciting uh album because i mean 
like you said, they had one EP and this is their first one. I feel like the sky's the limit for this band. And it's like one of the first, like, you know, along with maybe like Coastal Blackout Rolling Fever, um, or Rolling Fever Coastal Blackout. Sorry, I had that backwards. Um, and maybe Camp Cope, who also is from Auckland. Like one of the first like new bands I'm actually really excited for. And I feel like there's a lot of potential with. I mean, what, what song stood out to you from this album? You know, I liked Whatever the most. Then I realized Whatever is from that first EP. <laughs> but other than that, Happy Unhappy I liked as well. Yeah, Happy Unhappy is really good. I wanted more of idea intent from the EP. Yeah, I, I agree. I Nothing I didn't like. It was good all around. Really solid album. Definitely check it out. We'll add probably one or two of the songs to our playlist. Why don't we jump to somebody who's a little bit more established, maybe just as obscure to regular or casual music fans, Mitski dropped her fifth album, which kind of crazy. She's 27, dropping her fifth album. She started in NYC Music School. I can't remember what school it was. So it dropped two albums in yeah, school. Yeah, it's five albums in seven years. It's pretty prolific absolutely and she's a very interesting artist because i can't really think of a contemporary to her at times i think i hear saint vincent and then at times i hear like on this album i heard casey musgraves <laughs> there's that disco song What's nobody that? nobody yeah. yeah that's definitely casey yeah casey yes and then i think there's also me and my husband which is kind of like a more folky country-ish type sound so she she's kind of all over the place she really like blew up uh, in 2016 uh, a lot of year endless had her her album puberty 2 and this was a really highly anticipated album for people who were fans of miski because it, after puberty 2 it felt like she could only get better I'm wondering how you took this album, knowing that you liked the best and they were very, mm-hmm. you know, they're very upbeat, fun, catchy. Mitski's kind of the opposite. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. I listened to Mitski after the best, too. So I was like, all right, let's go. People like this yeah. album. You know, more of the same. <laughs> I was like, and I like I like some songs on here. I don't like the, the album nearly as much mm-hmm. as I like the best record, obviously. To that point, there are some songs on here where the songwriting, you know, pretty solid. But it's just such a mellow song, I just can't get into it, you know? Yeah. But that's nothing new if anyone knows my taste. Yeah, absolutely. So I like April and Why Didn't You Stop Me? I thought Why Didn't You Stop Me had really cool production, like those snares, and then like, like EDM, like under underbelly too. So, you know, I, I like those. But you know, other than that, I would, I'd pick it and, you know, take it and leave it. You know, it's, but, you know, I get the hype and I want to go back and listen to Puberty too because I was reading that it's, uh, like a more distorted sound. It's a lot different than this new record, Be the Cowboy. So, you know, I, I definitely see the hype, though. Be good. Yeah, Be the Cowboy, it's very, uh, you know, she doesn't use as much, like you said, distortion, and it's a lot more clear. But there are still moments on this set I think really moved you. I'm, Nobody is probably the, the standout song. Geyser also is really powerful, and I loved Two Slow Dancers. And the thing about all three of those is that they really have such distinct sounds but i almost think that works in detriment the fact that she can make these songs that are so uh different sounding and unique but it almost made it not flow so well for me at the beginning it felt pretty choppy Mm -hmm. whereas like the best it was like the song ends another heater starts right up and it feels like it's almost like you know sewn together this felt a little bit more choppy until it got to around like me and my husband or my name coming to the water nobody i felt like it really started to pick up but uh, the first couple were kind of tough for me. Uh, it's interesting also to to think about what her ceiling is as an artist because she is so 
artsy and unique. I wonder if she'll ever be able to make an album that will really totally break into the mainstream. What are your th- what are your thoughts? I mean, I think the early comp you mentioned is probably most realistic. Uh, Saint Vincent, yeah. you know, something like that where she could become not not her fault, but one of the top female headliners at any given festival. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly see that, but what indie act can truly get mainstream gigantic these days it hasn't happened True. in a while so that's not her fault but no i could see her continuing to get, to get bigger she's only 27 yeah absolutely and i think her songwriting is superb and she plays the piano and the guitar she plays the hell out of them so i mean i'm really excited to see where, where miski's career continues to go definitely go back and check out some of her early stuff because it's it slept on a little bit but it's still really good I don't think she has one bad album. So, Dave, how about you tell us a little bit about this Ariana album? You know, we talked about your guy Mac, and then we got Ariana Sweetener. Just what two weeks later? Yeah, shit. No, it's it's a nice follow up because this is Ariana's fourth album since 2013. That's kind of a lot of a lot of music, especially for a, a pop act as famous and successful as as her. She's still really young. I think she's what 25. Having the Mac Miller breakup kind of be like the detente to her her fucking like past year i mean she had the manchester bombing happen at her show and then the mac miller relationship happens and then this pete davidson thing happens which i'm sure we can get back into but been really in the news and then you know, oh, i wonder i wonder if she's gonna roll out yet again and then uh, was it uh, no tears left to cry dropped what a few months ago which is on our spotify playlist check it out and i was like all right we'll get another ariana album but i wasn't really no- sure what to expect yet again because if you go back for her first three albums i think yours truly and my everything they have some singles you know the singles they're successful they're big but there's not that many deep cuts on there and then dangerous woman i think was getting closer then we have sweetener i think sweetener is clearly ariana's best album definitely trying a lot of new stuff pharrell making a lot of the beats and i think it's one of the best pop albums we've had this year i mean I'm not as enthusiastic about it as, say, Dua Lipa's album from last year. But, you know, thinking back, it's one of my favorite pop records 2018. I think it's, you know, uh, got a lot, a lot, a lot of cuts on it. I mean, what did you think? Yeah, no, I give Ariana a lot of credit because there's definitely been growth. Um, and similar to Mitski, I think the album didn't flow that well. Um, now, granted, I'm not the biggest Ariana fan, but I don't really feel like Pharrell is the right producer for her. I feel like Pharrell is so funky. I, I saw that take a lot on Twitter. A lot of the Ari stands really? were like, get her away from Pharrell. What is he doing? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I thought like Blazed, for example, I was like, oh, that's like exciting because she's just a good vocalist. I don't know. I thought it was, but I, I thought it was, it was different at least. I actually felt like, like the production didn't allow her to show off her vocals as much. Now the one, now the beats sure. that Martin produced, Max Martin produced seemed to be um, a little bit more traditional for Ariana's sound. And I think that's when I started to kind of feel like, okay, this this feels like Ariana a little bit more. But I, I appreciate her trying. Um, the Light is Coming, featuring Nikki, felt like Lemon Part 2 to me. Oh, and but not as good. No, not nearly <laughs> as good. It was like, uh, I don't know. I, that's a good comp. Yeah, that because I, I was listening to the beat. I was like, I just kind of want Rihanna to drop in on this real quick and like liven this up. I get it, hallelujah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought Sweetener and No Tears Left to Cry were by far the best songs on this, but it, it, I just also felt it was weird near the end to have a song literally named Pete Davidson. Like, Well, that the rest of the album aside, naming a song after your boyfriend of a month is, or the fiance, fiance of a month is fucking stupid. <laughs> Did you see... Like, that's just... 
won't age well. Did you see those pictures of Pete Davidson in like, I don't know, it was like some like high fashion from like Reebok or something. He looks, I don't know, it looks like a little like vampire or something, or a tall vampire, I guess. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, he's been hanging out with like Machine Gun Kelly recently with one of his videos and it's like, I don't, Pete Davidson, he didn't sell out or anything. He's no. doing his thing, but <laughs> Ariana's going all, all the way in. <laughs> like, it's crazy, but I don't know, like, those last three songs on Sweetener, you have what, Good Night to Go mm-hmm. and Better Off, you know, songs clearly about the end of a relationship with Matt yeah. Miller. And then Get Well Soon, which is, you know, a song about Moving uh, on. Uh, the Manchester bombing. Oh, right, right. And like she's obviously talked about that a lot when it happened mm-hmm. last year, but this is the first like song that's obviously about it. So it's weird that she has and then the Pete Davidson songs right there too, which I think is you know it sounds pretty heartfelt. Yeah, you know? it's not like I think it was cheesy or anything. I just think calling it that is it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, so to have those like three like you know meaning, well intentioned uh, lyrical songs at the end with Pete uh, Davidson again, like you say, it doesn't flow because like. You have none of that in the rest of the album. Right? Yeah, the rest of the album is her doing her pop shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you know her normal stuff. So I, I agree that the album is uh, maybe a little all over the place, but I think most of it is good. Um, yeah. So the title track "Sweetener." Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really like that one? I, I think it's one of the better songs on the album. I don't know if I like it. I just think it's one of the better songs. Yeah. So I I listen to that song a lot because like I think the song starts out amazingly mm-hmm. her vocals, and then I just I think that hook sucks. <laughs> it's a, it's get not it, get it. Live it. Like I was like, oh come on, he ruined it. I thought the rest of the song was great. Yeah, um, it'll probably grow on me anyway because it's catchy. Yeah, um, I really liked REM as well. I, I actually that one too. Basically, any song where Ariana got to really like use her pipes, that's kind of what I want from her. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Mariah Carey or um, any of those like female vocals. Obviously, Mariah Carey is the the comp to her her career wise. Yeah. Time, but. Any, but even right now, like she's not like a Taylor Swift. She's more like a Katy Perry because she can yeah. flat out sing. Mm-hmm. So you want her to do that because that's her her strength, right? Yeah. So yeah, I do agree that she has. She just doesn't stand out as much when she's not showing off her incredible range, her incredible pipes, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a fair fair critique. It's in, it's interesting because I when I think about Ariana, I don't really think about her as this like mega superstar, but she she's there, like. She does fucking numbers, yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's it's weird, and I almost feel like Arena Tours. Like she's she's a capital P pop star. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I think one of the reasons I think about her in that way is because I mean she is a very small person just in general. So it almost kind of like reminds me of like like when Justin Bieber went from being like little kid Bieber to like grown up Bieber. I felt like it happened overnight. Like <laughs> that's funny. All of a sudden, he was having all these issues and like singing sorry but i also think it's because like it's hard i find it hard to like take the relationship she's had seriously i know that's like a weird way to like judge it but like what ti mac miller pete davidson ti i'm pretty sure uh, she, well big sean big sean big, big sean, sean was before matt i thought i thought uh, she did ti but maybe i'm off yeah still that would be interesting that, that's a little older yeah. i mean she's 25 she's older than bieber i know it's crazy so, i don't know but yeah she's like five feet tall so it's <laughs> tough to see her as a full full woman i get it five feet tall and with like the voice of a god it's crazy anyways why don't we move on a queen or at least you think she's a queen nikki trump oh shit wow (laughs) shots coming in she's fine she's fine this nikki record right what she hasn't dropped one in three years is that right four years four years yeah 
2014 was the pink print and i mean she's been on a lot of tracks she's been she features a decent amount but i mean Nicki minaj i i kind of understood her more as moving into like as a pop star you know you think about her biggest song is one of the most poppy songs of all time starships like that mm-hmm. is and then anaconda yeah, same shit. right so when, when i think about her i thought about her as moving into this like direction of she's just gonna embrace pop mix and rap as she needs to but she really came and tried to make a real rap 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 album which i give her so much credit for and i think she actually pulls off most of it this is a mm-hmm. good record i don't know if i'd say great but it's good and there's there's tracks on here that really pop off and like grab you and yep. i give her a lot of credit for that but then i see her on twitter last night and she's talking right. like our fucking president dude about how these these numbers ain't loyal these these spotify streaming numbers crooked kylie yeah stormy stormy and kylie they're plotting against me i mean come on man first of all shout outs to travis scott what a brilliant dude brilliant way to game the system let's be real too travis scott did not invent the tour ticket album no combo to game the charts (laughs) that ain't new and neither did nikki adding fifi to queen Something that she did. Right. Where Drake had hotline bling on views when the shit was like a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, there are tricks to, build, to, to do that. Game You're a big shit. artist. That shit matters to you. And you do that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. The labels know what they're doing. That's what they're doing. So I don't get the, like, Kylie tweeted a thing about seeing her baby. Like, bro, you know how hard Kylie tried to make Tyga pop? <laughs> Tyga's just starting to pop again now. Like, it's 2011. And now Kylie ain't involved. So it's like, the fact that you blame that, no, it's because Travis Scott is fucking popping and Astroworld fucking rules. Like, that, that's the reason. And also, you know, if you want to be actual, like, realistic here, Nicki did not have a successful single right. that truly lasted leading up to Queen. Chun-Li was her first top ten hit in four years, mm. but it kind of went away after the, the big peep and Barbie Tings. No one really liked that one so mm. much that it's not even on Queen. Right. 20-track album. It's not even there. <laughs> you know, we mentioned the latest coming from the Ari, Ari, Ari record, uh, Bed. You know, the return the favor, Nikki and, and Ari. I think again that that kind of flopped and that that barely made any chart movement. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that was probably the reason she made the song with Six Nine in the first place because she was chasing his fucking hot streak. And sure enough, that song got uh, uh, I think fourth. So she didn't have as much buzz going in. And this, you know, I think the fact that she did 185 without you know much much of a buzzy single is pretty impressive. You know? Yeah. I mean, yes, this is less than. Pink Print, which is less than Cardi B's Invasion of Privacy, but she has significantly less hype going into this. So I think it's still incredibly, uh, you know, in, you know, solid debut. But the fact that she's got to like, you know, make have a whole rant about Travis, whether she means it or not, she claims she was joking and not really tripping, but whatever. It's just she, not a great look, you know. She was tripping, bro. And this is, yeah, she, she, she was. Tripping. She was. And then, and this is after remember a few weeks ago she chewed out um, that blog intern. For some innocuous criticism, remember she DM'd oh. all of the fucking barbs, like you know, went full fucking Doc Stan culture, right? Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, she says all these things about people uh, taking shit too seriously and not knowing how to, you know, just just go with it. I was like, how can that be your attitude when you literally attacked a fucking intern in the DMs when she didn't even at you? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. So it's like all these things just distract from her music, and you already said it. Queen, more or less, is a good record. I think if we trimmed away four or five songs, it would be really, really good. But there's all this other bullshit that's 
a lot of it her her doing that's distracting from it and that's not to say that you know there's a lot of male artists that have a lot of bullshit and probably doesn't affect them as much you know I, there is a lot of pressure on Nicki Minaj the, the culture makes it that there can't be more than one popping woman mm-hmm. in the game right now and right it really seems like they have real beef now you know i mean there's some shots at cardi on this record on llc mm-hmm. in particular yeah but now i mean we want to get into the music actually like i think i think that the record has a lot of great great highs yeah absolutely and you know just to kind of i don't know, follow up on on your thoughts around nikki's uh behavior outside of the record naming it queen and then being so affected by you know like you said the opinions of an intern or like really like travis pulling the stunt to get his album to number one just it feels like you're not as secure as you're making yourself sound you know which i, I think you know you talk about the the shots she took on llc and a couple other places on the album i think she probably does feel some of that heat that that you talk about that oh, there really can only be like one female right now that somehow is holding this status and it, it it's unfair you know you think about someone like kanye who has so many uh problems outside of his work and then obviously he's never he doesn't do the streaming numbers someone like drake does but pe- people still celebrate and he still captures the moment on yeah. twitter whereas and he does way way whacker shit than nikki does, way way wacker, you know yeah but nikki gets way more hate yep um yeah let, let's jump into the music though a little bit because i think we both feel like this is a good album um ganja burns great great start off song in my opinion great first track really pulls you in and then I hear Eminem, and I'm like, man, I, I don't. On Majesty, I don't really want to hear Eminem yeah. anymore, man. I actually, I didn't hate the, the first part before we started like going in on his verse. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, that, oh, this is Eminem. That's right. Oh, this isn't that bad. Yeah. Interesting. And then he does his old man Eminem rapping, mm-hmm. and I'm like, even if the lyrics are fine, <laughs> it's so it's it's like listening to like Lil Wayne now. It's like I just don't want to hear it. I just don't. I'm not here for it. Yeah. Know? Well, I heard that two tracks later, and I was like, ah. Okay, I get it. You're Wayne. Like you're gonna pull some tricks and yeah, young money gotta yeah <laughs> keep in the fam. Um, I thought the song with the with the weekend though. I didn't think it was it had the highs of all the other songs. I still thought that was a pretty good song. I uh, thought I knew you. Um, and then I mean Chun Li was was the one that stood out. I love. I really liked Chun Sway too. I just thought that was a great track. Um, I think Sway's performance on that beat is really interesting just because it's. It's kind of it's actually like offbeat by design and right. it works but the thing that immediately jumped out to me about chun sway was that she was ripping off fucking cardi on, yeah. uh, on dripping came through dripping yeah barbie dripping barbie whipping barbie sipping like she does it a lot i was like it's not that you can't do it but like it's just such an obvious yeah rip off knock at cardi just don't do that especially when you claim ain't no beef right and that's the thing that, that is a you know, declaration of beef it's not but it's just like you're, you're better than you're more talented than that. You don't need to do something so so obvious. You know, I prefer the like an LLC where she takes shots at ghostwriters and coming up via you know notoriety. You know, like popping the poll and stuff. Like you want to take shots that way. I think that's good because you're taking shots with a pen. You know, you're not just trying to mimic the song structure right. that your rival did and do it better. You know, I think it's LLC is much. Uh, stronger avenue for that yeah so what, what songs stood out to you other than obviously llc oh i, I mean barbie dreams dog. <laughs> dude that shit that shit was trending right away mm-hmm. where she has all these hilarious fucking like shots at 
all, all the rappers in the game she fucks with, right? Like Drake, Khaled, Thug, uh, Meek. Uh, and then she has like little references to people like Fetty Wap and, and Ray Shremmers, you know? I thought, and the designer line, hilarious. Like, I thought Barbie Dreams, and again, Barbie Dreams, you know, sonically is really cool because it's updating her mixtape cut Dreams, which was uh, interpolating uh, Biggie's Dreams. Remember Dreams mm-hmm. of fucking an R&B bitch? Yep. Like, you know, she's redoing that and then doing, like, it's because, like, people people immediately took it as, like, a real diss. It's not really dissing. This is hilarious. This is this is, this is what rap is about, <laughs> you know? It's just, like, poking shots at everyone. Like, the Odell Beckham line, I think that's all <laughs> fucking rules. And, the, and that's, of course, it has the Biggie lineage in there. And she actually tweeted about this to clear that up. Like, obviously, they're not shots. Right. Um, and then the other song I thought really was dope was uh, Coco Chanel with Foxy Brown mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, another Trinidadian uh, rapper, someone Nikki has openly idolized and been a, been a big fan of. And uh, this is an inner collab before. And to do this, where they both, you know, go into that, you know, dancehall adjacent sound that's from where they're from, uh, I thought was dope. And Foxy really brought it. Yeah, Foxy was great on that track. Um, I mean, I think overall this is a good album. If you had to to give one of them the belt, I'm going to make you hand it out to either Cardi or Nicki. They both dropped an album this year. Who's got it for you? Yeah, that's interesting. I think they're, they're, so, they're in such different places in their career mm-hmm. that it's like I don't think about one the way I think about the other. Right? Like Invasion of Privacy surprised me like it surprised everyone. No one really thought it would be that good. Mm-hmm. As good as it was, it's really strong. A lot of cuts on there, and then Nikki comes out. You know, her fourth album. She's been in the game a long time. She's in her mid thirties, and she comes out with a really solid album. A lot of good cuts on here, and that's different than Cardi. Cardi twenty five, you know. So, I like it. Is a much bigger hit. Yep. Right now, it's one of the songs of the summer candidates. So, you know, I think you got to go with Invasion of Privacy because it's up to this point really lasted longer, uh, even as Bodak Yellow faded away naturally a year later mm-hmm. right um and because nikki did all this again whether it's fair or not to have it be this effective that all this stuff distracting from her record yep uh factors into so you know i would go with cardi but you know again as we like to say it's it's not a pick one thing exactly you know, yeah despite what many people try and make it as we're just doing it for a podcast but it, i mean you don't have you don't have content. to pick so just just enjoy it. I would definitely give Cardi the belt. Uh, I almost think about it in the same way I see like Drake and Kanye almost. I mean it's it's not even really a comparison at this point. And I I think Nikki Drake and, oh yeah. yeah I think Nikki and uh, Cardi are much closer than Drake and Kanye in terms of artist status. But like Kanye might have made Kids See Ghosts and that album is fucking incredible. But Drake's got like the song of the summer, dude. Like in my feelings is just dominating and you go back and scorpion people are going to be listening to that way more than anything kanye produced in that five month span so um even though i think i i respect kanye just like i, I probably respect nikki more as an artist uh i think drake's got the belt and cardi's I, got the belt right now and, and i it's funny like a lot of like the convo around queen was that this nikki's really committing to rap again it's like it ain't no secret that Nikki's a damn good rapper. Monster. Beat me up Scotty in 07, and then of course Monster. Yeah. But as you mentioned before, she really leaned into the pop sensibility. So I'm excited that hopefully a song from this pops off and goes really well because a lot of it's really rapid. You 
it. And again, Chun Li already was pretty successful, and that is you know, a lot of rapping. So absolutely, I think this is a you know a good a good. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were thinking this could be a train wreck. It's hardly that. It's a good album, so you know, good for Nicky. Yeah, absolutely. And if you like any of the songs from the Beths, Mitski, Ariana Grande, and Nicki Minaj, check out our Spotify playlist, Nostalgia Best of 2018. Give us a follow there and stay updated with all the best songs of the year. And now we're flipping to probably a top five movie for me this year. Black Klansman. Spike Lee, dog. Coming in 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which... I mean, we talked about that, but it means that a lot of people like this movie, at least. They think it's... Consensus. You know, you got your guy, John David Washington. You got Adam Driver. You got Laura Harrier. Topher Grace. Topher Grace? Out of, from the fucking clouds, dude. Venom. And I forgot the name now, but the dude from I, Tanya. You uh, talking about my the, guy, Ryan Eggold? Walter? Is that him? Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> All about... Yeah, and also Jasper, I can't, I'm not going to pronounce it right, Pekonen, playing Felix, like... Oh, and Corey Hawkins was in there for a minute in the beginning. Yeah. I like Corey Hawkins. I mean, uh, electric performance after electric performance, um, a very politically charged, racially charged movie, uh, a lot of, uh, I think, interesting commentary, and, the, you know, Boots Riley uh, penned a letter talking about the problems with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. movie so there's there's some stuff to dive into there but I, I guess just to get you heard my, my feelings about this what are your feelings about Black Klansman yeah I have a top three right now um, I still haven't hashed out where it's gonna land but that's why I make my list as I go just so I can think about it more and you know, visualize and change it as I go. Death of Stalin yeah, is I have still a top, one? No Death of Stalin is top five. Oh. No it's uh, in some order first three is First Reform, Sorry to Bother You, and Black Klansman mm. with Annihilation and Death of Stalin and Isle of Dogs behind it. Um, but yeah, I think Black Klansman is great, and I think what's so great about it is that it's an accessible movie that is like really easy to get in and watch, mm-hmm. and then it does this thing that's really hard to pull off, where it makes hilarious moments about shit that really isn't actually funny because it's so heavy. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, Spike Lee's sensibilities really shine with this because he's a director that I'm actually not as experienced as I like to be with. Like, like Do the Right Thing, Twenty Fifth Hour, He Got Game. I haven't seen any of those. Movies. Wow, I haven't seen his. I haven't seen his best movies. I'm embarrassed to say. Um, I've seen his most recent big hit, Inside Man. Mm-hmm. That's from '06, and you know he's he's made stuff that's like totally just not work, like Miracle Saint Anna, mm-hmm. and then he's had stuff like a few years ago, uh, Chirac which was a critical hit, uh, but got a lot of uh, criticism from like, Vic Mensa and Chance for its portrayal of Chicago. Yeah. But like all like the, the film heads would be like, well, Spike actually came back with Chirac, not Black <laughs> But either way, I think Spike really shines because he's able to craft a movie that you can, you can sit in and watch and you can have a good time watching it mm-hmm. and then also pick up on this heavy message. And yeah, maybe he paints with a broad brush for a lot of this stuff, but there's so much of that stuff in there. Right. The, the, the thing we didn't expect was, like, this is a must-watch for Jewish people. Too, yeah. You know? Crazy. So I, I think the whole movie uh, works. It's great. Absolutely. And it's it's really interesting because I feel like there's a moment when it all kind of comes together. And, I mean, John David Washington, I mean, what a performance. Uh, 
playing oh, Ron Stallworth. Ron Stallworth here. Ron Stallworth. <laughs> uh, he could have been in Sorry to Bother You, dude. Like, the way he was presenting those lines. Well, they even like, mentioned the white voice. Yeah, briefly, exactly. Right? Um, the white voice and the jive voice. Uh, so let me ask you about John David Washington. So like, I knew of Ballers. I knew Denzel's son was involved. Yeah. But now I actually know his name and I care about his career. Mm-hmm. But like, what was your read on him? Because you watch a little bit of Ballers in the beginning, right? Yeah, I, I liked him in Ballers. Um, I mean, Ballers isn't a great show in general. <laughs> so it, no. he, he wasn't working it's, with it's much. Like, it's like B-movie. B, B uh, entourage yeah he was probably one of my favorite parts he was really enjoyable to watch and um every time he was actually on screen and given something to do i felt like he did a good job with it i I didn't expect this type of performance from him which i mean probably just speaks more to what he had to work with and what i've seen him in but yeah he blew me away and then being yeah beside adam driver who is one of the I don't know, is he even still up and coming or just one of the most well-established oh, no. best actors in Hollywood at this point? Like, I mean, we don't have to do, we're not going to do this now, but anyone who is a fan of Adam Driver, look at his filmography and look at the fucking laundry list of stud filmmakers he worked with. Yeah. The dude's in his mid-30s and he's worked with fucking everyone. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude's amazing. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think the thing is, I can't really remember a bad performance. Yeah. Like... <laughs> There's just small roles for him. Exactly. Nothing bad. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's the moment when uh, you know Ron Stallworth approaches uh, Flip, and he's like, you know, I don't understand why you don't get skin in this game as well. You like what they say about the Jewish mm-hmm. people? And Adam Driver is right. just kind of like, well, I, I got my reasons. But you can see him like, in his mind like kind of turning. And then like a couple, like a couple scenes later, He's like, doesn't it, like, he's like, I never really thought about my religion before. I never was, wasn't really raised Jewish, but now I think about it all the time. And, like, when he said that, like, I, like, felt something in my chest, and I was like, ooh, this movie mm-hmm. is, like, pulling us in a direction that I think is going to be fucking incredible. And they, they pull off the ending so well. And, man, I mean, there, there's so much I liked about this movie. The the setting, the framing of the shots, the soundtrack. I think about that, that shot where they had, uh, What's his name? You're giving the speech. You said his name before. The actor. Corey. Uh, Corey Hawkins. Corey Hawkins, yes. Um, and it's it's such a beautifully done shot because there's so much darkness and he just like pops off in that mm. moment. I'm like, wow. Mm. Like this is this is making like film for 40 years right here. Paying off. Um, just just so much to like. And I feel like those two together, John David Washington and Driver, just electric. Um, what was your favorite performance? Uh, probably down David Washington just because he surprised me. I thought Driver, like I've seen Adam Driver have this kind of like second lead role mm-hmm. and do it well, so it didn't surprise me. This is just what I expect of him to excel, you know? That's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like with Oscar Isaac for me. I just always expect him to be, be dope. Yeah. But John David Washington was so surprising and he was in, what, 99% of the scenes? Like yeah, he had a lot to do. He he had really had to carry the film. If his performance wasn't good, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked him more. You know, one of the cool touches I thought like brought was it starts off with like Gone with the Wind. Yeah, and then in the middle we see a lot of a Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it, obviously it ends with all the Charlottesville and the actual like news highlights to really you know bring it home. Mm-hmm. But I thought I I really thought the Birth of a Nation scene was really effective because that was when. Like I was just really uncomfortable, and just like that—that that, that was like probably the hardest, one of the hardest parts to watch. I think just watching these, you know, 
you really see just how horrible those kind of people are, right? Mm-hmm. And like that, that and it's weird that I felt that way because the whole movie I'm watching, listening them drop n bombs and uh, you know slurs at Jewish people and stuff, and it's like you're seeing the rhetoric and like, and then it just keeps keeps building. Mm-hmm. And that's you know a few scenes later, there's funny moments. So it's just like, and that's I think a big part of this too was Topher Grace. I thought was really good as David Duke. Um, he's talked about how he you know it put him in a bad place for a little bit. You know, having to try and get in that headspace and portray such a horrific figure. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I think it it was really well thought out, and I think some people they. Oh well, it's it it's too in your face and too obvious. So I was like, I think that kind of stuff needs to be, mm-hmm. and the rest of the movie I think think still works because it still flows really well. So I don't, I don't care how how obvious the message is, you know. No, and I, actually, I think it's a testament to um, Spike Lee. You touched on this a little bit that he's able to make you feel so many different things. Like I, I really left with like uh, I felt like my stomach was kind of swirling a little bit because I, I was thinking about all these funny parts and then all these parts I felt so uncomfortable with the hatred being portrayed and and so just like disappointed with our society you know you talked about how he kind of tied in gone with the wind with birth of a nation with uh, recent clips from charlottesville and it really just brings everything more to light and and i i think making it in your face is actually a really good thing and it, it it's a really good thing because people could have gone into this and seen it just as like Kind of like what I think Tarantino was trying to do with like uh, Inglorious, Django. yeah, Django or Inglorious Bastards, even where it's mm-hmm. like you know you're taking a historical thing and you're just putting a twist on it and talking, telling the story. And I mean, w- what can you really take away from those things other than slavery is bad? Those people were monsters, but this really mm-hmm. made you like look at yourself. It made you look at the rhetoric we hear now. I mean, how many times did you hear America first? And I just thought about Donald Trump yeah. saying America first. Mm-hmm. Like yep. so many like things that like that they dropped in there that were so well done and so smart and it really, I think if if you can go into that movie and leave not feeling conflicted at least a little bit, mm-hmm. you you really should do some introspection on yourself. Yeah, and the story takes place in Colorado Springs, right? Right, um, <laughs> liberal not area now. Everyone's first uh, first thought of you know post Reconstruction, you know twentieth mm-hmm. century racism, right? Yeah, so uh it's it's really uh really important to watch but i also think like people get away it's not like a it's not like a movie like say like mudbound we talked about last year and we both really like mm-hmm. mudbound just gets fucking heavy right <sighs> yeah and it's really good at it and it's a lot of good performance Mudbound's a heavy fucking film mm-hmm. this is a little different than that and that's why i think it's accessible you, you can watch this and, and you can be entertained almost the whole time but it's also kind of again like you said have those moments where you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think the fact that the marriage of the two, I think, is really impressive, and that's quite a spike. Yeah. I also just shout out the soundtrack, like the soul soundtrack and the the dance scenes in it. I thought were all like just uh, capture you in that moment. It's it's really amazing. Huge testament to that movie. Please check out Black Klansman. I think it'll be on both of our best of the year lists. Crazy Rich Asians, box office darling, dude. This thing is a monster. Obviously, other than making a lot of money and being a very successful movie, it's very successful with a cast that is majority Asian. Yes. I mean, I I don't think there's any title role that's not Asian, if I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think how many white people actually saw it. Yeah, it's the first Hollywood film with a majority Asian cast since 
1993, mm-hmm. you know, in a contemporary setting. The only time you get like a lot of Asian people in a Hollywood film is when it's set in the far past, involving kung fu, <laughs> involving the Japanese in World War Two. Yeah, you know, like it's it, it's pretty limited. So the fact that you just get Asian people, period. Like, there's movies about black Asians are the minority in 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 Hollywood that like are often overlooked. Right? Yeah, like we've talked about it here and there, Ghost in the Shell. Yep. And the foreigner, or even stuff like Iron Fist, twenty one. They whitewashed, uh, yeah, and ancient one, Doctor Strange. Right, right? like there's moments of it. So then, there's the other side to it, right? There's like, well, that role could have been an Asian role, but we'll write a white role instead, like The Great Wall, or uh, The Last Samurai, Mm -hmm. famously, right? Or The Foreigner, recently with Jared Leto. So like, there's stuff like that, and obviously we have the past racism towards Asian roles like 16 Candles for example, right? Yeah. So, with all that, recently there's been more you know, talk about it. People, again, we're getting it. Like, Constance Wu was on the cover of Time Magazine mm-hmm. regarding Crazy Rich Asians the other day. And Alan Yang talked about representation for Asians when he accepted the Emmy for Master of None. You always remember the Asians on TV episode yeah. from season one, which was superb. So, you know, there's been momentum to you know, people, it's not a secret anymore, right? Or it's not like, you know, there's the Asian echo chamber, no one's listening, yeah. right? But then the fact that this movie actually happens and successful is proof that, you know, if there's an audience for an Asian cast, shock, right? Right? It's so great. And I think credit to the movie's success is the director, John, uh, John Chu's uh, decision to not take the Netflix money right. and put it in a, tra- a Tradition. traditional release. Yeah. Because he was given a, he was greenlit a trilogy on Netflix with creative control. And there's guaranteed eyeballs on Netflix, obviously, especially if they were going to promote it. And he understood the meaning and he went with a, a traditional release through Warner Brothers. And, you know, credit to him. But, you know, on top of that, people are like, oh, but is the movie good? You know, is it worth all this hubbub or just the token thing? No, I think it's a, it's a really good, fun uh, rom com, you know? Yeah. And the age, and rom coms are, are not as uh, <laughs> popular or, you know, present as they once were so you know it's filling a hole right I, th- I think you laid out all the the importance of why the asian majority asian cast matters and why it's so important but the fact that not only do they have a majority asian cast but fucking rom-com in 2018 that's this successful yeah. is a huge testament to this movie and it is it's a lot of fun i mean i i, I wouldn't say this is going to be one of the best movies of the year it's a rom-com it's not supposed to be up there with you know like the oscar beat but yeah it's it's fun it moves um and it, you really find yourself rooting for the people by the end which is the most important thing in these sort of movies um and it's got enough moments where you're really like drawn in and feel actually some emotional like uh ties to it like by the end I was like heartbroken for uh, for Rachel, like the way that, that the mom kind of tore her apart, and then that that mm-hmm. Ma- Marjong standoff. I was like, God damn! Like, I want to learn how to play that yo, game. That game looks so. I, I I left me and Julianne left being like, we got to play that. Like, we got to go find yeah, Marjong. Fuck yeah, let's room. do it. <laughs> um, real real quick, Aquafina was she trying to do a Miley Cyrus impression? That's a good question. Yeah, I wasn't expecting her to her to play it that way but yeah because like that's not how she normally talks we just saw her in Ocean's no. 8 so that was a choice yeah um but i liked her i thought she uh she can she pops she's a she's a funny energetic presence absolutely no she she's electric i just was i, I was kind of distracted by how miley cyrus like the whole thing was especially with the blonde blonde away wow i didn't think of that but that's spot on yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, so so talk to me about some of the scenes in the movie that stood out to you that you really liked, or performances. With uh, I'm basically anything when it's Constance versus Michelle Yeoh, yeah. right? Um, any of that stuff is great. Mm-hmm. I think the way they build up that tension it is done well because it's really subtle. And then they have that face-off, and John Chu actually talked about this. He's like, yeah, we understood a lot of Western audiences probably wouldn't understand the rules of the game, but like you'll get the idea, you get the meaning, mm-hmm. and the fact that Constance Wu, uh, what was her character's name? Rachel. Rachel. I thought that Rachel uh, had the winning hand and gave it up as a symbol. Symbol. Of, hey, I got, I got my man, but I'm gonna give it up. Don't want to fuck up his family. Yeah. And I thought that was really effective. Um, and then even you know even before and I thought everything with Aquafina and her family was just hilarious. Great, great comedy. Ken Jeong, small role, but he was awesome. Um, the stuff I, <laughs> I saw some people like really praising this, but the only thing I didn't really like was like the Astrid subplot. Like, there's a lot of threads with characters and like this is a trilogy of books, so there's we assume we'll get the sequel uh soon announced, but I just didn't think it like it just seemed kinda of boilerplate to me. Like I didn't anytime we weren't revolving around uh the main couple and like the family arcing I didn't like, but thankfully it didn't happen too much. Um yeah. Yeah, the the Astrid it, plot it, flow, it flows well. It's a it's a it's a rom com. What do you want you know? The Astrid plot I thought could have gone either way um i mean i i think i liked seeing her character grow a little bit but you know you have uh an actress like Gemma chan who i mean seemed like she was electric every time she's on the screen i couldn't help but stare at her and then you give her so little like emotional work to do and just these little moments but i guess it's also probably somewhat cultural um it's uh pretty i don't know it's kind of disappointing but um yeah i mean i i, I think i liked more than anything just like uh the scenes that were like ridiculous but not like not like super ridiculous like for example like mm-hmm. all the stuff with uh jimmy o yang i thought i i couldn't stand his character and i guess you're probably not supposed to like him but like i didn't even find it funny i was so just like man fuck this yeah like, and that was the thing because i was like when he starts off i'm like oh jimmy o yang is here small yep, role here we go He's gonna start slinging heat and he did start slinging heat the problem was he started hitting people yeah and like i was like fuck this is kind of a misfire mm-hmm. and yeah, that's disappointing, but whatever. It didn't make a break the movie. How, what'd you feel about Nick? Um, Swaggy P, Nick Young. Uh, <laughs> Henry Golden. Played by Harry... Harry. Yeah, he he's new, by the way. This is his first role, uh, which is you know, kudos to him. He used to be a uh, a host of like travel shows and stuff, like mm-hmm. Discovery or whatever. So good on him. But what'd you think about Nick? I thought, like again, it's Rachel's movie, not his movie. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I thought he was fine. He played the role he was supposed to play. He was you know, a good guy, willing to go either way, um, and kind of caught in the middle. Uh, the only thing, I I just can't get over the fact that they dated for, like, at least a year. You know, that's established. Probably more like a year and a half, two years. And not once was he ever like, you know, my family is, is kind of wealthy and well-off and famous. Like, e- even when you're going, like, bringing her there, you're just going to, like, throw her into the fire? It makes no sense to me. And I just, like, can't wrap my head around that at all. Yeah. And like they kind of explained it away too. Oh, he's famous in Singapore, right? He's not famous in America yet. Those people that knew who he was were there in the diner, obviously, mm-hmm. right? But like, so but you never notice anyone taking a picture of him, anyone look at him. Uh, there's a lot of Asian people in New York City. It's pretty plausible that he would have been recognized a few times in your presence, right? Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. That whole, <laughs> and then like 
he so he he really just like like to be a normal person with her. But then as soon as he's going back, it's like, oh well, here's our like capital F first class flight. Right. Oh, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> okay, I'll suspend my disbelief. Whatever, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Also, one of my favorite things to laugh at afterwards is when they're on the bachelor party and they just go to this random dock in the middle of nowhere. They're in fucking international waters. First of all, who put this dock out there? Second, he he's just like, oh, looks like the glad those flying lessons came in to play i was like what like and he landed on like an uneven landing spot i was just like there's so much wrong with this um but uh, you know it's 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 a rom-com it's one of those things you can kind of suspend belief on and like like the princess just being like an economic like nerd somehow so they can just like hit it off just so (laughs) right but um yeah no i mean the rom-coms are hard movies to hate just because you know, they really hit you in, in the good feels most of the time. It almost always ends up happy. And this this movie did that. And it's it's not only an achievement for you know, what it means for minority casts and specifically Asian casts, but um, just bringing the genre back. And hopefully we'll start to see some more of these movies made to fill in those gaps a little bit. We talk about those art films and the blockbusters. And this these are good middle-of-the-road films for that. Yeah, absolutely. John Chu, you know, yep. fresh off. They announced uh, he's directing a 10-episode uh, mystery series for Apple starring Brooklyn Prince, mm. the uh, young young lead from the Florida Project. Nice. So, sounds like a solid follow-up for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the data on this, uh, the audience was 38% Asian. That's great. Um, which there hasn't been a movie with that big of an Asian audience percentage in like over three years, you know? And... You know, we've had Black Panther, we've had Coco, and now we have Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, it's it's great to see, and it's even better, even more important that these movies, all three of them, happen to be good. Yeah, you know, and, and worth seeing, worth talking about. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it's not won't be on my top ten, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, what rom com would has a chance of doing that these days? You know, it's not there's something about Mary, so exactly, uh, it's, it's it's tough tough to do that but again that's not this movie's job one last question at least regarding this movie see after seeing how well this cast worked do you feel like the the criticism that isle of dogs received is more mm-hmm. fair now or do you feel like the, the discussion isn't really changed by the crazy Rich right so i i think isle of dogs it's, it's interesting to think about that again because the criticism of isle of dogs was that it was you know, something that heck even Nicki minaj does is the fetishization of Asian culture, where like Nikki just decides to be Chun Li, you know, and take Asian shit when she wants. Uh, Wes Anderson likes, really loves, uh, you know, Kurosawa and loves Japanese culture, so he's gonna make this movie where all these dogs are voiced by white guys, which whatever they're dogs, but when there's stuff that's being played for laughs, that's kind of stereotypical, right? So like, it's not that like. Isle of Dogs isn't in the front, but that's kind of like the next level stuff that you have to understand. It's like Isle of Dogs and Last Samurai. You know, obviously we know the Sixteen Candles shit's bad. That should never happen. Yeah. But it's the other stuff where like Asian people are props, mm-hmm. like in the Great Wall, and Matt Damon goes to fight with the Asian people. It's that stuff that you have to get past. And I think, you know, unfortunately, Wes Anderson is going to continue. People like Wes Anderson will have the wherewithal the uh, ability to make movies like that if they want. 
I don't think that's going to change overnight or anything. But you know, I think it's it's worth talking about. There's a lot to this. And on the other side of the coin, there's some criticism of crazy British Asians. This isn't a movie about all Asians. No, nor really could it be. Right? It's really about East Asians. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's not. There's more to be done on that front. Absolutely. Um, that, it's a conversation we'll be having, probably be talking about as we wrap up uh, the end of the year and talk about a lot of the trends that happened in uh, movies in Hollywood. So a lot of really positive steps forward, a lot of steps forward in a lot of discussions, not only Asians, but racially, you know, with Black Klansmen and, and in terms of religion as well in that movie. So definitely check those movies out. We recommend them. Uh, and check out our Nostalgia playlist, like we said, to hear songs from the best, Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande, and Mitski. Uh, follow us, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Hit us up somewhere down below for that subscribe button what do we got next week for the people dave so next week we'll be coming with some surprises but stuff to keep an eye out for sharp objects wrapping up we talked about that premiere on hbo so we'll chime back in on that only an eight episode miniseries so easy to catch up if you're behind uh shout out amy adams and then the only record i'm really looking out for i mean we got the interpol record maybe we'll talk about that i'm interested about this my tie record jeremiah and ty dollar sign yeah ty dollar sign is the fucking feature of the summer on everyone's record, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to, I'm excited to get some more tie. So we'll see how that goes. Jeremiah, in the news, not for the best reasons recently. Tiana Taylor just left the tour because apparently he's a dick. But <laughs> we'll talk about the record anyway and some other stuff. But yeah, subscribe on YouTube. Help us out. Yeah, hit us up. We love you. Uh, give us any feedback you want at NostalgiaPod on Twitter. We like hearing from you guys. See you next week. Yeah.